Hi, Lisa. Well, hey, guys. Some of you all look better than some of me. <laughs> you look bright. Hello. Hello, and welcome to Table for Five with no reservations. Take a seat at the table for a fresh, sweet, salty, tart, and pleasantly bitter conversation. Hello, and thank you for sitting at the table. We are on the third episode of our series, We're Not Experts, But They Are. Tonight at the table, we are very excited to have joining us Lisa Candera, right? Yeah. Lisa Candera. And she is an autism mom coach, and she has a really great background, and she is experienced because she is a mom to an autistic child. And so we're going to get to chat to her and learn some really, really good stuff. At the table tonight, I have Kimberly McIsaac. Hello. Jen. Hi, everyone. Tabitha. Hello. Rachel. Hey, everybody. I'm Jamie, and Lisa's here. So Lisa, do you want to just give us a little introduction of yourself and your background and kind of what led you to becoming an autism mom coach? Yeah. Hi. Well, first of all, thank you so much, all of you, for having me. I'm excited to be here. So I am a lawyer by background. I've been a lawyer for, I guess, almost 20 years. And I am the mother of a 15-year-old boy with autism, OCD, and anxiety. And so about three or four years ago, when my son, you know, entered the teen years and his anxiety really started to jack off like really high to the point where it was like, I had managed it, contained it, I thought pretty well until then, but we were moving into that middle school years and I was really nervous about how I was going to keep up that level of support for him as he entered like, you know, a very big school with big demands and his anxiety was going higher and higher. So anyhow, I was having my own, you know, kind of mini panic attack about that. And so I decided to seek out life coaching because at that point I was like, I had done therapy before and I found it helpful, but I guess I was just really focused on like, I didn't want to talk about what was going on. I felt like I had, I believed that I had diagnosed the issue that I was having. I just wanted a better way of coming to my day-to-day -day struggles and like confronting things better. Anyhow, I found life coaching quite by accident. I was listening to another lawyer podcast and they were talking about tools that I found really helpful that resonated with me. And so one thing led to another and I hired a coach for myself. I loved it. And then I became a coach. And then of course, like once I became a coach, it was just so clear to me that there was such a vacuum when it comes to resources for parents raising kids with autism. Like whenever you look for parent resources, they're all focused on how we can help our children. And of course, that's a big part of it, but there's nothing that's devoted to us and to like a special kind of chronic ongoing stress and anxiety uncertainty that we face just in our day to day. And so that's what I wanted to address. That's amazing because like you said it, and it should be obviously the focus on our children. Absolutely. But we often forget because we get caught up in that day to day. And then you don't actually, and when you take a look from the outside, you, you don't even realize how that life looks to people, you know, or to oh, yourself. you have, I mean, to no yourself. How it looks. Yeah. It's so wild. I have so many clients where I like tried to have them take a step back. I'm like, I know you think this is normal because it's your norm. I was like, but you are operating at a level like 10 times what most people will ever do. Yeah. And so just noticing that and giving yourself that because 
I think the way we interpret it is like, well, if I was doing enough or the right things, then they wouldn't be struggling the way that they are. And I have found that it is the exact opposite. You can do everything and your child will still have their experience. Yes, you can support them. Yes, you can influence them, but we can't control it. And that is such a hard pill to swallow. You recently, Lisa, had a reel that said just that. And I was like, oh, (laughs) let it repeat. Take it in. Which one was that? Are are uh, you doing the right thing? Yes. And I was like, oh my God, this message is for my heart, like freedom for my heart, because I know that intellectually, but living that like in my daily practice is so different than hearing it from a friend on the internet. I'm like, oh my God, she's right. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I mean, it's real. It's so real because you question yourself, even though you're doing so much above and beyond, because it's like, we're still struggling a lot. <laughs> that can be really frustrating. If you're an A personality, I don't know what that's about, but just kidding. I'm super A. <laughs> you're also and an you're, attorney. So. Yeah. Also an attorney. Yeah. I think you get into this fixer mode or list mode or, wow. you know, how many things can I cram into the time mode? Um, also research mode. And you kind of try and find the solutions to as many things as possible. And sometimes there just isn't one. You just have to write it out, you know? You totally nailed it. And I say this about myself and all of my clients. We are used to resourcing our way out of our problems. We are experts at list. Like we're tenacious. We get done. Autism comes along and it's like our kryptonite. It's like your powers don't work here anymore. (laughs) And it is really frustrating because I did like I Tabitha like you I'm an attorney and I was like yeah you know what I'll research and resource my way out of this somehow some way and to an extent I've done a lot in that capacity and that's been helpful but you know it's not a magic pill (laughs) right and it's like that I think to me is the part that like I struggle with so much and I see it with so much my clients is that they are used to getting results using this exact same format and it doesn't work here. And so it's like, and now what? And you kind of lose your sense in that because there's a comfort in doing things and making lists, checking things off and seeing those results. And that's where the trying comes in so hard. You're like, I'm trying so hard at this. And I'm, Rachel says this all the time, and I'm still failing. And how is that possible? Like you're putting Mm -hmm. all your energy and effort and you're still, not that you necessarily are failing, but that's how you feel internally, you know? Yeah. It was, we have this idea of input in means results out. And when we're not seeing that, we're like, well, I guess I better try it again. I'm just must be doing it wrong. And, you know, we just like, you know, I guess it's trying another speech therapist, Mm -hmm. another therapy or another medication. And, you know, the list goes on. Well, and that's what I think is so great about you. I mean, coming from a total type B here, (laughs) not a perfectionist. It's just, I mean, it's just as exhausting. I think for me, we're just all trying and you feel like something is wrong with you as a parent, because like you said, that first time you're away from your kid, whether it's like a night of respite or you go on a trip or something without your child for the first time, the difference you feel as like an autism parent is like, oh my gosh, like the, the realization of like, I've been going, 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 and I'm like absolutely exhausted. I do want to talk about that and how like 
what I love about your program is that it is coaching the parent and it's helping you work through that. And Rachel actually spoke about this recently on the podcast, like that we learn all these tools for our kids, but really it makes us reflect on ourselves. And maybe I, like, I never learned how to regulate. I also need to work on that. So I really love that about your course is that like, okay, I need to regulate myself because I'm sure as hell not helping my kid when they're dysregulated. Yeah. And no one's ever taught us that ever. Like we've never been taught that. Like all of the work that I did this, you know, began as the work on learning about anxiety and regulation with my child. But then it's like, it's on a parallel track because, you know, especially what happened with us is during the COVID shutdown, when it was just two of us in the house and, you know, he would go up, you know, you just like feel yourself like racing and holding and your stress levels going up. And when that is held at a chronic state, you're both here all the time, right? You're never resting, you're never recovering, you're never recuperating. And so like, that's the piece where like, I learned like, wherever I can like bring myself down, wherever I can recover, wherever I can do something to walk away. Before I used to have the idea, and this, you know, and one of the things that I teach my clients is nervous system regulation. So we get very actually sciencey about what's actually happening in your nervous system. But when you're at a certain point of like chronic stress activation, you sometimes develop the thought error, like taking a break would be worse because then I just have to come back to it, right? And so that's one of the things I really try to work on with my clients is like not waiting until it's explosive to do those things, but like doing it little by little by little. And I always say, it doesn't matter what you do. It matters more that you make a point and a practice of doing it. So it's like claiming this piece of earth as mine. This matters for me just because I matter, period. I think we get so divorced from that as we are trying to manage another person's emotions. I have to love that. I feel seen and like get those tissues. (laughs) (laughs) It is really, 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 really hard to recognize how elevated you are. Mm -hmm. And I think that only happens in these brief moments of pause or reflection, or when you have a moment to sit and sometimes late at night, as you're crying in your bed, honestly, uh, you realize yeah. like how you're actually complete. letting it out at that point. Yeah. That's actually part of your stress response. I do that yeah. in the shower, Sh- yeah. or in the shower or in the Just car, like letting it three, out. Yeah. Three places. Yeah. But I think you legitimately cannot feel how exhausted your soul, your body, your spirit is in the elevated grind when you're grinding and flowing and moving, you know? Yeah. Cause when your stat, when your chronic state is like gutting it, <laughs> right. You just become accustomed to it. There are people from the outside that have observed things and they're like, what on earth? And I'm like, I'm like, listen, when you live at an eight and you get to a 10, you don't really notice. <laughs> like, yeah. you're just kind of like, oh yeah. Sure. Oh, is I always think like I wonder if this level of crisis is uncomfortable for people to look at. <laughs> like I'm like, <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry if this is hard for you, but I'll deal with. But could you yeah. get out of our way, please? <laughs> right. We need to move. <laughs> I remember having that conversation. Oh, look, not my best parenting moment, but my son, we were we were somewhere and he was very agitated and we were waiting for something, which you know how that goes. We were waiting for his skis, like they had, were getting repaired or whatever, but he was waiting for them and he was very agitated. And the woman 
said to him, oh, I'm sorry, they're not ready. I guess you won't be able to see today. He freaked out, right? And then she was like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I just turned to her. I said, for being tone deaf? Yeah, you nailed it. <laughs> and I'm just like, not <laughs> my best moment. But I was just like, are you seeing what's happening? Like, you see what you just did? You know Do you have other skids? Where's the other skis? Go to the back. Find exactly. the rental pair. Exactly. Bring those up Get there. those damn skis. We're not waiting in line. Get them. Yeah. But I was like, you really just set our day on a tailspin that you could not imagine. The thing that people don't get when they're the, the person in public or in Target with this brief moment with you, that ski incident could have lasted for three more weeks. Now it's disrupted sleep. Now it's this whole conundrum, not even about the skis, but because little Julie yeah. spoke out of her. Yeah. Yeah. She was like joking with him. And I was like, way to read the room. Yeah. <laughs> not helping. No. Yeah. Thanks. Well, and that's what I was to say for us, like th- for me, when I was holding it, and I will say like, because my son was finally diagnosed almost at five. And up until that time, like I just, I mean, up at, we started around three, we pretty much knew it was autism and we were just in the process of trying to evaluate an autism and diagnosed, but you don't realize that that's what's going on. So you just think as a parent that this is parenting. And I'm like, oh my gosh, parenting is really hard. But the moments that that stuff would come out for me was to other people in public or people who would like try to chime in. And I'm like, back up, like I'm lashing out on strangers and like sometimes deserved, but also other times I'm like, I'm losing, like, I'm the one that's like getting so off kilter here. And I didn't even like, and honestly, until I came across you, I didn't even really think about that, that I needed myself to like, I do, I like, I'm a very anxious person. So I've always been conscious of that. Like if I have high anxiety about something, it's going to affect my kids. So like going through the airport is like for me. And so my husband, my husband has literally said before, I'll just fly with like, I'll just fly with the kids without you. <laughs> Don't offer buddy. But like, I know situations like, but, but I just really didn't think about navigating a meltdown. I, by now my son's eight. I can usually tell when a meltdown's coming, something's going to set him off kind of like the ski thing, you know, when the whole day is going downhill before I would like panic and I'd be like, Oh no, I would get in a really moody place. But now after reading and listening to you, I'm like, Oh, okay. I need to like put my head in the best space I can, because that's not going to stop him from having meltdown, but I can control myself. Yeah, no, that's so true. And I like that piece right there is like, you know, people give you advice, like, you know, you need to stay calm and all that. And you're like, you're, they're not wrong, but in creating this program, like my goal was to answer the question, like how, like how exactly, because I was at the point, like I said, we were in lockdown and we were like, you know, two, you know, there's two rooms in this apartment and you just hear the screaming and I could feel my body like tightening and clenching. And it was like, how, how do I do that? And so what I teach is there's a lot of cognitive piece, you know, with like, you know, the frame of mind and setting up our expectations. A lot of it is like pure animal nervous system regulation, which so interestingly, it's all we're ever teaching our kids. We're teaching them how to calm their bodies. Well, we have bodies, we have nervous systems, we need that too. And that to me has been a huge game changer is just really tuning into what's going on in my body so that I can tend to it versus the idea of what I always say is going inward before you go outward because so much is like, I would jump up, run downstairs, what's going on? Be quiet, stop doing this, whatever it was. 
jacking myself up. So now, and I, when I coach my clients on this too, it's when you have those kinds of reactions to your children, it's what I call the dance. We all have a dance in any kind of meltdown. And our children use behaviors to control their environment and we're the environment. And so when they get proof of concept of like, if I yell and scream during one of mom's calls, I'm gonna you know, get her attention right away that gets reinforced and reinforced. And so it's like, in addition to like looking inward to like tend to yourself, you're also interrupting a pattern mm. for both of you. And so, you know, you can start to work on things in parallel, but the work for me is always to go inward because for 10 years I did it the other way and <laughs> with varying levels of success. But it's like, when you are running that program all the time, all the time, all the time, that's what leads to like that chronic fatigue, the burnout, the feelings of helplessness. And so again, when he got to 13, I was like, I have gotten him through to this point, but I can't keep going at this level. Something needs to change. And it is mind blowing because you don't think about those tracks. Like I went to the park with a, a friend of mine whose child was the same age as my kids. My kids weren't there. And I was blown away at how many thoughts were running through my mind about the parking lot, about the open space, the no fence. How are we going to make it from track A to track B? My kids weren't even there. That had run like the 15 gamut safety zone through my mind within the span of five minutes. And you're yeah. doing that every single place. You're doing that every single place. And you don't realize how turned on you are to it because you have to be. I mean, frankly, you just have to be. Yeah, but you're like living with your head on a swivel at all times. Yeah. yeah. But the interesting point. thing though, there, Tabitha, is even though your child wasn't there, with you running that circuit in your brain, your nervous system doesn't know the damn difference. Neither does yeah. your brain between yeah. real and perceived, right? So you're still jacked up yeah, having and I the experience. When I got to the car, I realized that was happening. I was like, holy cow, like my body goes into that by itself. Like yeah. I, I don't have to think about it consciously anymore because there's so many, like how many, how often, every time we leave the house from the door to the garage, even there's things that I have to think about to make it from the inside of my house to the car, to get into mm -hmm. the car and how much energy that takes to do that. Mm -hmm. But I recognized, I was like, that is mind blowing how fast yeah. my brain is going. And there is not a single safety concern that I'm in control of in this situation. And it's still running its track. Yeah. I think that was the first moment that I realized the elevation that I was at all the time, constantly, all the time. I was sitting there and I was just like, this is not healthy. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> it's not good. Gotta learn yeah. to pay this back a little bit sometimes. <laughs> especially yeah, my kids are like, here. <laughs> unfortunately, it's not as if we've been given great alternatives. Yes. Right? It's not as if like, and so that's to me the part where it's like, look, I know we got a lot to do. I know we got a lot of work to do. And I hate to be the one to add something to the plate, but no one's coming for us. <laughs> the right. Calvary is not coming. We have to do it. It's just us in terms of our own self-care, our own self-regulation, our own ability to self-soothe our nervous systems. We have to add that to the list, prioritize it. Because when you think about the long-term prognosis of our children, we're mm -hmm. it. Our ability yeah. to sustain over time, over changes, over uncertainty, like 
we are the thread through all of it. All their doctors now, all their medicines now, all their programs now will go away. Some of them might go away tomorrow. <laughs> well, we are the thread through it. And it's like, I, I mean, you think about our doctors is like, we would never take our kids to a doctor where he's like, yeah, I haven't slept in about like three years and I don't, you know, yeah. like we take such good care of our kids and we're so on top of that, of course, but it's like, we are part of that equation. And I'm actually doing an article. I talked to Kate Swenson today. I think she might be featuring it in her newsletter at some point, but you know, Autism Awareness Month is going to come and everyone's going to light it up blue and talk about the signs and the symptoms of autism. But the thing that they're not going to talk about is that behind every one of those kids are parents who are at their wits end, who are yeah. struggling, who are burning out. And to me, we're the missing piece of the treatment puzzle. I mean, look, let's face it. There's a lot of missing pieces of the treatment puzzle, but we are a huge factor. And I really feel like that's something that treatment needs to truly encompass beyond like, here's a support group here that never meets and here's a support group there. Like there really needs to be mental health care for the parents because they are operating at such a chronic level over periods of time that it's only parallel to like, you know, soldiers in war and things like that. And I know that that sounds dramatic, but when you're at that level of stress and you're never recovering, there's not much of a difference. And yeah. what people say, and I like how you say you have to get yourself in check because people say, well, you just really need to get some sleep. Okay. Well, if you'd like to come over, yeah, that would be great. Or will you need a break? Okay. But you yeah. know what I mean? And I, I don't like the word taking a break. I mean, she's my daughter. I mean, I'm her parent like you. Mm -hmm what you do but it's this level of you know and then yeah. I also learned that it's okay to take a break like coming full circle is what I mean like that was yeah. always my front. well I don't need a, a break she's my daughter but you know it's like that sort of you come back a bit better you know what I mean when absolutely you, yeah which is parenthood is not meant to be a 24 hour like you just run yourself around I mean that is sort of like the idealized you know portrait of the martyr mom you know who takes no time for herself is front ragged like that's not helpful to the child mm -hmm. and so to stop glorifying that as mm -hmm. like where it's supposed to be and for yeah. us it's like a whole new level yeah we don't have the traditional respite that people could have where you can just hire a sitter any sitter come on by that doesn't yeah. work for us right <laughs> And I'll so I actually of those, please. Yeah, all of them. Yeah, I actually like to, and I think this is a part of self-care is to be really clear with people about how they can help. And so, yeah, like, can you stop by so I can take a nap, so I can take a walk? Can you drop off food? Like getting people, because here's what I assume best intent, especially from the people in our lives who love us, like they want to help, but they don't really know how, and that's not their fault. Yeah. yeah. I mean, come on, we're figuring this out too. So telling people really specifically what would be helpful. Like I go out to dinner with my friends and I will say, can we talk about anything but this? Like, don't ask me. Like, I, I'm just, I, I'm not there anymore. And then sometimes I just, I will call and I'll say, I just want to have an adult tantrum and cry and be well with me. Can I, let me, let, let me get it out. You don't have to tell me everything is going to be okay. Like sometimes like you can do that with the people in your life and like tell them how they can help you how they can be there for you so that you can have that outlet you can feel seen and you can like you know release some of that stress well and that's 
Um, I've said that to my best friend. We went out for lunch and I said, I just don't want to talk about autism because it's not, it's very hard to talk about certain things like the aggression and all of those things with people that really, truly don't understand it, not to their fault. They just don't live. I wouldn't have understood it either. So sometimes I just want to have a drink and not talk about it. I don't want the, and it's not condescending, but it's that, how are you? How the f*** do you think I am? Pardon my language. We're going to get a whistle right there. Then, like, I walk by the mirror and I'm like, I don't even recognize myself sometimes, you know? So for me, that that learning to sort of take that little break, which I was so opposed to before, now I see how beneficial that is, not just for me, but really for my daughter, Yeah, you know? I did this whole thing with one of my clients specifically. I'm going to actually take them. I'm going to bring them to the April event that Kate's having. created permission slips and so for one of my clients I just like I gave her a whole notepad of them but yeah like like so many of my clients struggle with the idea of like taking time for themselves like they and it's hilarious in the sense that like they're the bosses of their entire house like like everything right but when it comes to making decisions for their own self-care they're like somebody else has to do this I couldn't possibly do it and so it's again it's like taking that on for yourself because you're the only one. You're the only one who can do it. One of the things that I think is so incredible, Lisa, about your work is that I've been looking for help for quite some time. We talked before recording that we have a common Hellcat level, level of Hellcat. Uh, And I, (laughs) I feel like I've gone to therapy. In fact, I've gone several times. Yeah. Several people, several tries. It's really, really hard to find somebody who's not just going to be like, "This is a crisis," <laughs> and then yeah. like, still just want to meet next Thursday to chat about it. I love the life coach with an action plan and like mentality of that. You know, sort of as this parallel to therapy. But girl, I don't have to explain to you. Exactly. I, mean, I, I don't even need to finish that sentence because our listeners are in the same target. Yeah. Mind. I don't have to say it. I don't have to say and I and tired. I know uh, when, when I say tired to you, you're going to be like, dang it, girl, must be real yeah. bad for you to use that word. Not to a neurotypical therapist who'd be like, what does tired mean? Yeah. <laughs> no, I actually, eight. that, I mean, look, one of my frustrations with therapy is look, I don't believe that you need to have experienced something to help somebody for sure. Like you, right. You don't, but there is a level, especially for us and how isolating this experience could be of just being instantly seen. So when you're feeling like I'm explaining it again, it's deflating. Yeah. And yes. And then there's that piece where you're explaining, you're saying the words out loud to a person who's looking at you quizzically and you're like, well, maybe this is my fault. Maybe I didn't try enough. Maybe, you know, and you're doing this internal thing. Yeah. And so like what I feel like with my clients and why they get results so fast is they feel instantly seen and not judged. That also means they allow me to gently push them sometimes, right? I can say things to my clients where they're not going to tell me to, you know, go pound sand because they're like, it's coming from me where I'll say, look, you need to figure out how you can take some time for yourself. Now, a lot of us would fight a therapist on that. You have no idea. I can't do that. No, I have an idea, but I'm still telling you like, this is something like, let's figure it out. And I'm like, there have been weeks with my clients where I'm like, you need to find 20 minutes every day. I don't care what you do, but this 20 minutes is for you. Let's figure it out. You know, working on things like that. I have clients who come to the call who haven't slept in 48 hours because of whatever. And I'm like, your best self-care is hanging up 
right now. We're not doing this call. You need to take a nap, right? Like I'll put your alarm <laughs> clock in 59 minutes. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. I have to cancel with my clients. I'm like, all right, let's write the email now. I write up the email. I send it to them. I'm like, send it out. To, like, like that sometimes with the homework is like, what is the next right thing for you to do to take care of you right now? That's what we're doing. The next right thing. Yes. The next right thing. That's well, all we got here. And I think too, is if, like you said before, all advice we're given is like, stay calm, ignore your child's behaviors, all these different things. And for one, there's a lot that goes into it. So I love that you give the tools to go along with that. But also with parenting in general, it's forever. Like the people you're coaching, it's not like this is something that's going to pass. This is their lives. Like yeah. even when our children are adults, depending on the level, they're either going to be with us or we're going to be worried about where they are, or we're going to be shopping around for where they're going to be living and staying. It's a forever thing. So it's like this pure exhaustion that you you really can't explain to others. But what's good with the parenting, it's like, there's also no roadmap for us as parents to autistic kids. And like the way we were raised comes up in it. Like my parents were very black and white about things. I can't do that with my son. Although in a whole nother way, I have to be really black and white about other things. Like, you know, like It's just, you don't have a roadmap at all. And then you're also bringing whatever from your past. Like, you know, I kind of have a temper. Like I grew up with a parent that kind of had a temper and I have a temper Mm -hmm. and I can't just go to that temper. But I don't, you know, when you're in fight or flight all the time with your kid, it's really hard to find that time for yourself to think back on that. Think about your past. Think about what you're bringing to the table. Absolutely. And so I love how you talk a little bit about that and really dealing with all that stuff so you can help your child and yourself. That was a big part of something that I unpacked in my own self-coaching is homework. I'm like, why am I getting so angry? Because I ultimately didn't care that he had homework. I was lobbying for him not to have it at all. So it wasn't that I thought like, look, there's that part of me, that Catholic school girl of like, you should just do it because I said so. And I know that doesn't work. But it's like when I was digging into like, what is really happening for me that I'm reacting to him? And it took the thought that was, that was like underneath the, all of it was, I don't know how to help him. See, and that was the fear driving all of it. I was trying X, Y, and Z to get him to like sit down and to learn a concept. And I felt like I was failing. And the thought that underneath it was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I can't help him. That was it. And once I saw that, and I was able to calm down a bit more because I saw what was happening for me. It wasn't about the homework, right? It was about my fear, not just in this moment. As I say, about my parents about behaviors. It's never about the behavior. It's about what we're making the behavior mean in this moment, going into the future and that catastrophizing that we do. And so when we are not in that state with our child, like when things aren't going on, when we can come to those situations and sort of unpeel like what's happening like behind the scenes in our brains and our nervous systems, that understanding can help us prepare and decide how we want to show up and take care of ourselves so that when we see ourselves getting elevated, we'll felt those thoughts coming in that we can you know, self-soothe. And that's the nice thing about the difference between, I mean, I'm a big proponent of therapy. I think therapy is fantastic. I've had it my whole adult life. Mm -hmm. I'm seeking some now. The thing with therapy though, is that, and I joke that I, I go in, I've done the cliff notes of my childhood trauma at this point so many (laughs) times that I just go in and I'm like, okay, here's the rundown. I know that this floats back to certain things in my childhood, but I do not want to address, (laughs) can we deal with what is happening right now? 
I don't want to deal with this bracket of my life. And I do understand that I'm carrying a lot of that with me in my reactions and how I, but the nice thing about this idea of a life coach is that it's solution-based and in therapy, you're trying to figure out things about yourself, why you're reacting the the way you're reacting. And you do have to float back to that history of kind of traumatic things from your past to figure it out. But I'm always like down with therapists who are like, okay, we need to figure out how to solve this. Right. What's currently going on instead of just dealing with the, the past. There is a lot of intersections between therapy and coaching. Cause you know, we do, you'll kind of float around those subjects because they are there in the background, but you're right. It's not the purpose, so to speak, to unpack trauma for sure. Um, always respecting that your entire everything whatever's gotten you here, it's all impacting you. It's all part of like, you know, the fabric of it. And a lot, I mean, most of my clients, first of all, about a third of my clients are therapists, but then a lot of, most of my clients are, you know, students of self-help. They've been through therapy. They've, you know, read Daring Greatly and, you know, all the different books. Like they are very aware. And so like, this is just like another level. And, And look, I have to say that I think so much of it, honestly. I feel like I am a skilled life coach. I feel like I have a lot of experiences to share. I bring a lot of humor and a lot of practicality to my coaching. But at the end of the day, you are being seen by somebody who gets it. And sometimes mm-hmm. like that could get you so far just yeah. that. I can tell you based on my following you that you are a rather skilled life coach and you don't need to possibly maybe dot the line of diminishing your work, buddy you are fantastic, but it is so something to feel like you can start at chapter 15 because this person gets it right. Like when we sort of all, before we started our podcast and sort of came together, Rachel was the first person that I met whose kid didn't sleep like mine at the time. And I was like, somebody actually gets it. You know, it was the very first time I had met somebody else that was, did you try melatonin and laugh? That's our favorite joke, Lisa. We say all She'll just take really the iPad is. away. She'll just go to sleep. Just take the iPad away. Do you yeah. know that one of my, honest to God, one of my fight flight triggers is the smell of lavender because we used it so much Here's during traumatic times. People will give it to me. I'm like, get that. I know. Lavender <laughs> triggers me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't, Don't lavender in April. Yeah. white noise white noise i literally oh white noise blasting nights of like yes. horror in my brain like just in a dark room just like praying oh. my kids would go to sleep on the floor because i'm trying not to be in the bed you know like and then the, and just the white noise in my head it's like so you can't even rock like you're trying to do to self-soothe because you'll creak the floor so you're <laughs> you're like <laughs> I'm not gonna I, like move my eyelash. <laughs> I know I can hear the loop in our sound machine, and I'm like, I would pay anything for a loopless white noise machine. <laughs> I still live with my daughter. She goes to bed, and there's a sound machine going. Alexa plays rain sounds, and she's in a privacy pop. So like, I slither out of that thing like a thief in the night. And yeah. I mean, just so I'm, you don't make it zip it a little bit. You know, it's a lot of stress. I, slither out of that thing. You were mentioning when the two of you met each other, but I think I met all of you two years ago. Maybe I'm missing, Rachel, I don't know actually if I, remember I did this Moms Like Us feature on my Instagram a couple of years ago. I think it's how I met all of you. Jen, I know I featured you. I'm telling you, you've you've been a presence in my space for a very long time. And 
I am grateful to be here with you today. I'm even more excited to hug you in like 46 days, people. Yeah, I'm so excited. But more than that, Lisa, I think like it, we know, the six of us know that it's really something to be tapped this much by this life. But what you did is such a huge paradigm shift for yourself that you couldn't help but drag other moms with you in the big swing of this. And then now, you know, being able to motivate and inspire real change for real down and dirty, tired, sweaty moms like me. (laughs) I just thank you so much because I feel like you could keep it so superficial, but really you're going so deep, so pointed, so fast that you're changing lives with a real, you know, I, I think I thank you so much, Rachel. That is, that means so much to me. And like I shared with you guys, like this week has been one of the hardest weeks in my parenting in a long time. And I was gutted and the best hours of my week have been this podcast and coaching my clients because when I'm able to like help somebody else, it literally is like, it feels so good to me that it completely changes it for me. And so I do it because I know that we need it. And I am very much an advocate and I hate platitudes and like, just go take care of yourself and all that stuff. Like I want to find a way, but it does the world for me too, because I am still living this life and it's not getting easier. (laughs) I'm getting better at it, but it ain't getting easier. (laughs) I know on like a, you're obviously helping people and I'm sure that's very rewarding, but on a huge level, like, it's so smart of you to do this, like to think that like you got into the idea of life coaching and then, but to focus on the autism parent or autism moms, is like such an underserved community. Like 100%. when I first came across, I was like, what a good idea. Like just someone in your corner that understands you is like worth all of it. So I'm very grateful. There was never a question for me. Like once I found this work, I was like, holy shit, we all need this. Yes. Yeah. All of us, we all need it. And it wasn't a question in my life. And I love it. I mean, I really do. Like it lights me up. Like I, and and I, and I love talking to my clients and because I client, you know, I coach my clients over several, you know, weeks, sometimes months, depending on how long they coach with me, I get to see them through their cycles and I get to see them like on the other side and growing in their skills. And it's so rewarding. And then like my whole master plan It's really, it's like, as we're able to take care of ourselves, as we're able to show up in our own lives, as we're able to remember that like we matter too, it's like building just like this, I don't know, like community of moms who can support one another, but also like we are the change. Yes. We are it. We're it. Right. And so like, I kind of feel like it's like dual purpose. It's like, we're the people are going to figure out where kids are going to live, where they're going to work, how they're going to work, all of us, right? And so it's like, if I can help myself and others keep going, because this doesn't end at 18. (laughs) We know that. Are you ready to take a vote that we should invite Lisa into our commune? (laughs) (laughs) We're ready. I got to tell you, I have no idea how you all figure out how to do a podcast with five different lives every like it's and you do it consistently the effort for me to do my podcast is consistently I'm like I'm very impressed it's like wow we surprise ourselves every time we're like damn girls did it again haven't missed a Monday Thank you, Lisa. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about what this looks like because I think uh people might not be like what but what is it what 
what? Yeah. <laughs> just what? Sure. Well, what? Yeah, so <laughs> well, what? moms Sorry. come to me with a range of issues. It could be anything from like, you know, their kid is having meltdowns all the time and they want to figure out how to better regulate themselves or they're just feeling overwhelmed with anxiety and, you know, they're always catastrophizing about the future. Or, you know, some moms are like, I've completely lost myself in this autism parenting. I don't even know who I am anymore. Like, whatever it is. What's the package come- if you check all boxes? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? It's all, we, we do it all, right? You What you come to me for and what we actually do, right? You know? yeah. And so what we do is we set out what your goals are, like what it looks like now and what your goals are and how we're going to get you there. And really, we start wherever the client is. And foundationally, there are very specific skills that I do teach. You know, I incorporate those into our coaching. So I teach a self-coaching model where I will teach you how to coach yourself. I will teach you about your nervous system. So you can actually understand and map your own nervous system so that you can better self-regulate yourself. But um, whatever it is, we start with where you are, whatever you think the problem is, and then why you think it's a problem. So my favorite question, and this is like the question I ask all my clients, either during the intake or during our goal setting, is what do you wish was different and why? Because that will really, because it's like, look, let's get all the yucky stuff like out in the open, right? All the stuff we might not want to say out loud that it's not really an Instagrammable kind of a thing. Let's know what we're working with and let's normalize whatever thoughts and whatever feelings that you're having without judgment. Because that to me is the piece that really- so important, so important. That really hold. that really, it's like, let's get, like, I wish my child was normal. Of course you do. Of course you do. Because normal means safe. It means- accepted it means loved we all want that of course you do like let's just normalize that i wish they didn't have autism of course you do nobody says hey i wish my child had you know a neurological disorder that nobody really understands or knows how to treat of course that doesn't mean you don't love your children doesn't mean that you are a bad mom that's normal i like to get all that stuff like let's just let's just go there and clean that up move forward and, and talk about you know that stuff that stuff like eats away at you you know what I mean because absolutely and it's the stuff that flies out right when crap hits the fan right and so it's like let's give it its time and its space like let's let it have its say like I had a client today who was like you know angry about something with like you know in-laws not understanding or whatever I was like of course I'm like let's just get it all out like you, you know, like we don't have to shame ourselves. We don't have to push it down. We don't have to tell ourselves we shouldn't or shouldn't feel the way that we feel. We do. It's not a problem, right? So let's just give it its space. Well, and I think like, like for me, the main thing that I get most of the time is like all these ideas for advocacy. Like you should start an inclusive daycare. You should change the legislator, get this waiver figured out in Montana. And I'm like, I didn't ask to be a scream shouting advocate off the towers, I'm going to do it for my kids because I love them with all my heart, but it's not something. And I felt a bit of shame about feeling that way, you know, at the time. And this yeah. came out in a moment of IEP uh, aftermath um, <laughs> when the person was saying this to me. And I just like blurted out, like, I didn't ask to be this type of advocate in this community or in this space. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing it because I love my children and there should be some change and there needs to be some change, but I can't do all the things under the sun that are wrong with this world. Yeah. Right. One person like that's crazy. Why, why would 
why would you say that to me? <laughs> like, I mean, I think pressure, you're really, you're really <laughs> underestimating yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, we need a pair of this, maybe one thing. Let's just trying to get, one thing. Just trying to get through the day over here. <laughs> I just made yeah. it through the IEP meeting barely. And that's just for my two kids, <laughs> you know? But right. I think there is a lot of shame in like these fleeting feelings that float in and out that you don't want to feel that way. You don't want to feel like overwhelmed and you don't want to feel like these feelings about your parenting or your children or any of that. But it, it's also something that you weren't prepared for and didn't ask to be a part of your life. Not, yeah. it is a part of your real life, but you didn't expect it as not so much the yeah. asking, but really you didn't expect it to be this complicated in the scheme. And it's okay to like have those fleeting thoughts. And also you might have some shame and guilt about those thoughts, you know, that, that come out, but you sit for a long time in that alone. I think you yeah. sit in those feelings alone until you find a space where it's okay to say, some of those things that you feel that are normal to feel, I think, you know, definitely. You know, and like one of like the first things that I teach my clients is all of our emotions, all of our feelings are created by our thoughts. And so if you're feeling like I feel so overwhelmed or I feel so angry, I have no idea why let's unpack it a little bit. Right. Like, right. Like let's get into those thoughts that you're having. What are you telling yourself? What are you believing about yourself? What are you making this mean? to sort of understand it and then deciding like, just because you have this thought, just because someone's made a suggestion to you, you don't need to adopt it as your own. Like you could be like, no thanks, right? And so like one of the things that I teach my clients and this is from ACT therapy is like, we all have these thoughts going through our brains all of the time. And we they're all optional. We have a choice when it comes to our thoughts. And, you know, we can... I, I talk about it like the precious from Lord of the Rings. Like we can like ponder our thoughts and be enthralled by them and get wrapped up into them. Or we can hold them lightly like a cactus and be like, huh, I don't know about you. I don't think so, right? Like, but it's like making this an effort to externalize the thoughts. Like you are not your thoughts. And so the more you can get practiced at this work, the more agency that you have over your own emotions and how you are showing up and how you are feeling. Lisa, do you want to talk a little bit about the mini course you have too, that people can sign up for? Yeah, sure. So this is right on my website. It is um, how to keep your cool during an autism meltdown. And it's a video course that I do where I will walk you through my before, during, and after process for regulating your own emotions. And like I said, you know, people say, just stay calm. And I, that's not something that happens in the moment. It's not something that happens when you're already escalated. And so what you do before and what you do after a meltdown or a triggering is I think even more important than what you do during it, because look, during it, we're just trying to get through that stuff, right? So this is the practice that really breaks down some of the skills that I teach in my larger program. So if you're interested in that, you can go right to my website and there is a sign up there. Also, if you're on my website, get on my mailing list. I do a newsletter every week. It's called the Sunday Reset, where I share advice from my own life or my own coaching clients, you know, just to add to your tools. And I think actually by the time this podcast comes out, but if not a week later, for Autism Awareness Month, I'm going to be releasing another freebie, which is called The Seven Truths Every Autism Mom Needs to Know. So if you're on my mailing list, you will get that you know, directly to you. I will send it right to you. So get on my mailing list now. You will get all of that. But 
depending on when you're listening to this, if you're listening in the future, which you will be, you can go onto my website. You can find it as well. Sometimes it's like, you know, these things, like we all know that you can't be escalated and de-escalate somebody. Right. But it's like, you don't realize you're doing that. So like having somebody else talk about it, it just puts that thought in your head. So it's like, you're more aware of it. I mean, obviously anybody knows that, but it's like, you don't realize necessarily that you're doing that. I always see my husband do it. I know I do it too, but like, I notice him do it. And I'm like, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's hard not to, but like, it's like having that awareness that like, that's what you're doing. Like almost like giving it a name. I think that is so helpful for people because then you could be like, oh, wait, this is what I'm doing right now. And kind of take that step back where when you don't recognize it, it's a little bit harder to do that. So I think, yeah, I agree. And that's why the before part is so important. Like I actually go through how you can kind of break down before, like, you know, what your triggers are generally speaking, or like the things that you, you deal with, like on a daily basis. So let's just pick one of them and let's like understand what's happening for you when that happens. And like nine out of 10 or 10 out of 10 times on some level, we're taking or making the behavior personal about ourselves, about our child, about our parenting, that is fuel for the fire. And so one of the things I like to sort of like talk to my parents, what can we think about this behavior before it happens? That's not going to escalate us. Like, let's get neutral. Like, they are dysregulated, whatever it is for you. And as I work on my clients with this, it's like, so before it happens, you can be bringing yourself back to that so that you're not going into, because look, our, it happens so fast because we've done it so many times. Like we've carved out that pattern in our brain. That's like our default pattern. And so when we're trying to shift, it's going to take time. It's not going to be instantaneous, right? Like, like we've, built up this pattern over time, it will take time to shift it. And so it's that repetition and that practice. Uh, Kimmy, you made me laugh because I'm getting better. I think at meltdown stuff, I think, but then my husband does something and I'm like, Oh, I'm like, no, you're doing it all wrong. And he doesn't like my coaching. So no, they don't. <laughs> One of the benefits to coaching with me that some of my clients have experienced is that they do it in their living rooms on a Saturday. And so their husband's like listening in the background somehow, some way. And I've had clients be like, oh, like I noticed that my, you know, my, my husband like picking up some of the language or, you know, whatever it is. And so there are that, there's that added benefit that if you want to like indirectly coach your husband, but obviously he can't hear it from you, he can hear it from me. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. And where else can everyone find you on social media? Sure. So I'm on Facebook, the Autism Mom Coach. That's my business page. And I also am on Instagram at the Autism Mom Coach. And then my website is the Autism Mom Coach. Very consistent. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Easy. Thanks so much. Not only for coming on our podcast, which we're very grateful for and talking to our listeners, but just in general for what you do, because like I said before, it's such an underserved community. And we know that. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much, Lisa. And I'm so yes, excited. Thank you. Girl. I didn't know you're going to be there. So yeah, yeah awesome. I'm excited to meet all of you. I, I, I really am. I, um, I think it'll be super fun and a nice break. Yeah, we're doing this live there. So you'll have to come watch us. Yeah, I definitely will. That'll be fun. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Good night, guys. Night. Thanks, everyone. Bye.
Thank you for joining us at the table for this episode. Check out the description to find where you can sign up for our newsletter, how to become a supporter, and find links to us individually. Join us next Monday for more. And while you wait, check out our content on Facebook and Instagram. If you are enjoying the podcast, please make sure to subscribe and rate and review us wherever you listen. To contact us, you can email us at tableforfivepodcasts at gmail.com. We can't wait to sit with you again.